1: From KQD in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Look, today's show is very simple. While our team was looking at the over $700 million budget deficit that San Francisco faces, we started looking at the historical budgets for the city. And we realized, much to my own surprise, that the budget has roughly doubled since 2012. Now, a lot of us remember San Francisco 10 years ago, and we also know it today. So how did so much more money go into the city's coffers, and where is it being spent? I've been making spreadsheets, and we have real municipal budget experts who are going to help us follow that money. That's coming up next, after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. I think sometimes when we talk about government budgets, there's this tendency to imagine the motivations behind that interest. I would not pretend, however, to know what the city and county of San Francisco should spend to run one of the greatest urban places in the world. I don't pretend to know if homeless services or public works are under or overfunded. And many people will point out that San Francisco kind of stands alone. In its municipal responsibilities, being both the city and a county, as well as an enormous hub for non-residents who come here. There are many oranges out there, but San Francisco is an apple that's pretty hard to compare. That said, once we saw the huge jumps in revenue and service costs for the city over the last 10 years, I became consumed with curiosity about where the money had come from and where it's gone. And surely we can compare San Francisco to itself, right? twenty twelve, San Francisco is not some distant place. So let's get a handle on this budget. Joining us first, we have a couple of great guests. We've got Michelle Allersma. She's a director of the San Francisco Controller's Office of uh, Budget and Analysis Division. Thank you for joining us, Michelle. Thanks for having me. We also have J.D. Morris, a city hall reporter with the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you for having me. Okay. So I want to get started. We have tweeted out, I believe, or we will soon, a pie chart of the budget for the city. Uh, It's about $14 billion. It's the current fiscal year uh, that we're in. And I want to run through sort of like on a very basic level, where does the money go? So, J.D., maybe we can start with you in the kind of like in the broadest of terms where does San Francisco spend this fourteen billion dollars?
2: Well, a lot, on a lot of things. One of the biggest areas, as you can see, is in the Department of Public Health, um, and I think you know it has about a three billion dollar budget, if I'm remembering correctly. Here, um, you know, and one of the things that makes San Francisco really unique, as you kind of alluded to, is the fact that we are both a, a city and a county, which means that we have to run things like a health department, which, you know, for other big cities that might be done at the county level and it might, it might be in a separate budget. We also have the jail, the airport, the San Francisco port, and a lot of different kinds of government agencies that aren't always included in big city budgets elsewhere.
1: Yeah. Michelle, the other really big, so in in our budget that a lot of that uh, county health stuff that normally is dealt with by counties elsewhere would go into that community health part of the the budget, as it's called. Where do we find things like, you know, the there's an, another line item called public works, transportation, and commerce. And that alone is $5 billion budget. So, like, what's in there?
3: Um, A lot of the things that you just mentioned, like the airport, uh, the port, our transit system, um, those are the biggest components of that of that uh, service area. Yeah, and
1: over time, those budgets have changed in response to the things that that voters have wanted, right, Michelle? So some of the things are like quite controlled by different earmarks or things that voters have said we want money to go to these places, and some of the budget. Is controlled by the by the mayor and the board of supervisors. So, how does that break down in our in our budget? Like, how much does the mayor control, and how much is sort of controlled in some other way?
3: Um, so, I guess I would start at the top with that. You mentioned fourteen billion dollars as a whole. About mm-hmm. half of that is in what we call like enterprises, which are sort of businesses that um, make their own money and keep their own money. Um, And that's like the airport and the port and um, the transit agency, Muni, and um, our hospitals as well, our enterprises, although they don't make enough money to cover their costs. So the general fund helps them out. So the other half of the 14 is the general fund and everything that goes in there. Um, And... You alluded to um, that that's kind of where we put our tax revenues that are we're more free to spend. But you also mentioned that over time, San Francisco voters have said, you know, we want the city to spend on particular types of services. And um, we call those sort of set-asides or baselines. And um, that's about $2 billion overall, over all the um, the baselines and set-asides that have been um approved over the years and about one in five dollars in the general fund comes from um, the state and federal governments we're passing money through really from them and it's for things that um, they require us to provide that's a lot of health and human services so that's sort of medicare and um kind of CalWorks welfare services so really kind of we are the the agent of the of another level of government, and they're giving us money to do stuff. And we don't really have choice about that either.
1: Give me an idea of what some of the big set asides are. Like, what are they for? Because that's really kind of reflects the values of San Francisco voters, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, as you said, these are approved by the voters and they're typically in our charter. Um, so the biggest ones are um, for transit in our current fiscal year, that's about $530 million of tax general fund tax money that's going to support transit services. About 175 for libraries, about 530 for children's services of various kinds, 150 for parks, um and then there's a range of other you know, homeless services, <clears throat> housing, uh street trees, um, early care and education, that's another six hundred twenty-five thousand, yeah. twenty-five million, excuse me. Okay.
1: Um, JD, I wanna think about the sort of comparisons for for San Francisco. We know I you know, I mentioned it's an Apple, we know that you know everything is different, but Give me a sense of how this budget compares to to other cities that maybe have just kind of less on their plate, let's say.
2: Yeah. And I mean, San Francisco also, of course, isn't the only city and county you know set up in the country. But I think one of the things that makes San Francisco stand out is the fact that voters here have in recent years agreed to add a lot of new taxes. So there was a a real estate transfer tax proposition I that passed several years ago. There was proposition C, which was uh, business tax to fund homeless services, and those taxes bring in like hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Um, so I, I think that's something that makes San Francisco stand out in, in a pretty significant way. Is there's, you know, there has been an appetite among the voters of San Francisco to approve new taxes to fund different sorts of services that they want, and that results in a higher budget.
1: Yeah. And we're going to talk, uh, Michelle, about that increase, because I know this is something that that you focus on as well, sort of like, where where does this budget, where did it come from? Uh, we're talking about San Francisco's roughly $14 billion budget, how the money is being spent, where it comes from, and how the city intends to handle a projected $728 million increase deficit. We're joined by Michelle Allersma. She's the director of the San Francisco Controllers Office of Budget and Analysis Division. It's a lot of words together that don't make sense in that order to me, but that's what it's called. (laughs) Um, J.D. Morris is a city hall reporter with the San Francisco Chronicle. And this is your opportunity. You've got budget experts on the line. Every time I talk to people in San Francisco, they wonder where the money's being spent. Let's find out. How do you think this money is being spent? Where would your budget priorities be? And what are your questions just about the San Francisco uh, city and county budget? The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. I would also note this is a regional issue because a lot of the money in the San Francisco budget goes to support people from outside the city as well. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum, and the email is forum at kqed.org. So let's talk about where this money comes from um, and kind of how that mix has changed over time, Michelle. I mean, the, the classic way that cities fund themselves is with property taxes, right? But what else is in the mix? Um. Yeah, so... Uh
3: across all of our funds, the single largest source is service charges. So it's what um, airlines are paying in landing fees. It's what folks are paying to ride Muni. Um, it's what insurers are paying the hospitals for services, um, things like that. And um, that's the single largest source. And then um, over the $14 billion. And then after that, it's property taxes and um, and some of the other taxes that um, you alluded to earlier, so business, hotel, sales taxes, all those other local taxes are, yeah. are a third big source. Yeah. You know, on that
1: charges for services, you know, that is basically like what the big chunks there are. That's like the hospital, right? It's because healthcare spending has been increasing. And so there's an increasing amount of money flowing into the hospital.
3: Um, Definitely uh, the hospital. There's also, you know, PUC will send you a bill every month for your water and sewer service charges. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's included. Um, The airport for sure. um, And in the past decade has expanded and, you know, added added lines of service and is charging airlines for the use of those. Um, Those are probably the biggest ones. Yeah.
1: So in your time you've seen this budget go up a lot. You've seen revenue increase a lot and we've seen, you know, spending on city services uh, also increase. How have you thought about you know what people get
3: from that money? I guess it's you have to think about um what are they getting versus what are they What do they value? Or like if you're Mm -hmm. an economist, you'd say, what's the utility that you get from that? So um, we have a really large amount of um, very rich services. Um, We have um, more parks, more libraries, more transit stops, more firehouses um, per capita than a lot of other places. Um, There's benefits to that, but those are expensive things. So um, part of that is, you know, are we getting the utility that we want out of those things that are expensive, right? Um, I think that's a really important question to ask yourself.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. We're talking about San Francisco's $14 billion budget, how the money's being spent, and how the city intends to handle a pretty large projected deficit. We're joined by J.D. Moore, City Hall reporter with the San Francisco Chronicle, and Michelle Allersma, director of the Budget and Analysis Division, which is part of the San Francisco's Controller's Office. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. It is... A show, a brown bag um, breakfast show about San Francisco's $14 billion budget. We're learning how the money's being spent, how the city intends to handle its deficit, where the money comes from, all of those things. We're joined by Michelle Allersma, Director of the Budget and Analysis Division of the San Francisco Controller's Office, and J.D. Morris, a City Hall reporter with the San Francisco Chronicle. We're going to get to a call before we add our next guest. Uh, We've got Zogi in uh, San Carlos. Welcome. Hello. Hey, go ahead.
5: All right. I guess my question is, you know, in twenty twenty we've seen a uh calls for uh with the Black Lives Matter movement calls for defunding the police and I was just wondering, uh, has any action been taken on that with regarding the city's budget with police spending?
1: Yeah, such a good uh such a good point for those uh kind of looking for where this would be. It's in the public protection line of the budget. And J.D., what has happened with police funding since 2020?
2: Well, so in the most recent budget cycle, the budget for the San Francisco Police Department actually went up by, I believe, $50 million. Um, The bulk of that was really aimed at uh, addressing a staffing shortfall in the department. So there are about 22 or sorry, 220 police officers, I believe, that the mayor's office and the police department wanted to hire. And that was about filling vacancies um, in the department. So most recently, uh, the budget for the San Francisco Police Department has gone up.
1: And over time, it's not like it has been in Like, decline and then just bounced up, right?
2: Right. And uh, this was, you know, a a sticking point for uh, Supervisor Dean Preston, probably one of the most progressive members of the Board of Supervisors. And that alone was why uh, he cast the lone dissenting vote against the budget um, most recently. And he did that the year before, too. Um, He said there in the last cycle, that there were a lot of things about the budget that he liked. You know, he helped secure a bunch of funding for affordable housing, for instance, but he was really opposed to increasing funding for the police department. And so that was why he voted against the budget.
1: We're talking about San Francisco's budget. How the money's being spent, where it comes from, why San Francisco is different from other places, and we want to add a- another guest to the show. Jim Wonderman is a president and CEO of the Bay Area Council, which, as people probably know, is a regional business-sponsored uh, public policy group. Welcome, Jim. Yeah, sorry about
6: that. Uh, good morning. Thanks for having hey, me. Hey, good
1: on. morning. Good morning, and um. Important for uh, important context for this show as well. You were once the deputy mayor of San Francisco. And when you left office in 1995, would you remember what the budget was? I it was in like the two billion range, right? It was two point eight billion in 1995.
6: And we had about twenty five thousand employees, although a lot of those positions weren't filled because it was during a lot of time on uh, fiscal pressure. There's a recession. And uh, I think today it's north of 35,000. So, if you're, you know, one way to chart the growth is not just to look at the the dollars, but the number of positions and what are the additional 10,000 employees doing uh, that they weren't doing back when I was last uh, on call.
1: Well, and like, what do you make of that? Like, if you were to take a look at the police department, say, and you'd say, like, well, do we have, like, more officers on the street? Like, what what would you make of the increase in employees?
6: Well, I'll, I'll ask your listeners to an- analyze that because I just did, uh, for another reason, a couple of days ago. So back when I worked for Diane Feinstein, when she was mayor, and we had a debate because in those days – There was a police chief and there were three deputy chiefs, and then there were a bunch of captains at the stations. And there was a push to add a new level called commander. She resisted it, so did the board of supervisors, but they relented and added two commanders. Uh, And so that was the debate at the time. Take a look today at the police brass. I looked at it. There are so many uh, assistant chiefs, and you get to the commander level, and you just have to keep scrolling down. And I have to say, with all the you know folks, you know the department is in a real crunch to try to hire uh, police officers to join the force. But I I can't fathom the increase in the in the bureaucracy level of the department and i don't know where that debate is and i'm going to assume that same uh, issue could be applied to other departments and at a time when you're you know, facing a big deficit like the city is today i think this is one of those times to really look at how you're structured and you know wh- ha- how you're delivering your services mm-hmm. you what levels of positions and ha- uh, you know, will best serve the public and yeah. i'm not
1: sure that's happening yeah Jim, thank you uh, so much. J.D. Moores, I wanted to um, toss this one kind of to you because uh, Jim mentioned it. Where are we on this deficit and what do we know about um, how the city and the mayor are approaching uh, closing?
2: Well, uh, just to reiterate, it's a $728 million deficit that they're projecting over the next two fiscal years. So that's a really big number. Uh, that'll probably get fine-tuned a bit uh, between now and when the mayor actually proposes a budget in June. But so far, that's the number that we're working with. And what happened was uh, in December, you know, the mayor's office released that estimate and the mayor asked uh, the city departments to begin preparing their budgets. She asked them to propose uh, cuts of 5% in the first year and 8% in the second, because again, that's a... Two-year projected deficit, um, but she. What we know right now is that there are some areas that where she definitely doesn't want uh, cuts to come from, and so those would be sort of her her key policy priorities right now, which are really public safety, homelessness, street cleanliness, mental health issues, and. Mm-hmm the economic recovery, especially when it comes to San Francisco struggling downtown. So I think we know more about where the cuts likely
1: will not be coming from than where they will at this point. Yeah, Let's bring in another caller uh, on this point. William in Belvedere, welcome. Yes,
7: thank you very much. Uh, uh, To the extent, I would like the guests' perspective on uh, this, to the the extent that uh, commercial activity generates city revenue, uh, I'd like their opinion on oh, the, the fact of more people uh, working from home mm-hmm. uh, and actually moving out of the city because they find that particularly high-tech workers, they can do their work over the computer from home. Uh, to what extent the decrease in commercial activity, restaurants, etc., will occur, and also whether there's concern that as office space becomes vacant, uh, finally, people, the owners of the buildings can't pay their mortgages, and then the the property value goes down, and the taxes go down mm-hmm. as the succeeding owner of the property uh, buys it for a lower price, and then there's less property taxes.
1: That's right. It's a it's um it is the a, a primary problem, right, Michelle? And I, I what I'd what I'd like you to answer on this particular question is. How has the city been preparing for this? Like, we've obviously had a boom time. We've been going through this. But you've been at this game for a long time. Many other people in the controller's office and around city government know that there are booms and there are busts, particularly in San Francisco. We've gone through at least two in the last 25 years. So how has the city gotten ready and has enough been done?
3: Um yeah so san francisco's history with um i think you know financial planning and kind of preparing for the inevitable downturn has been sort of a it's been in response to our experiences so the voters approved our first kind of rainy day reserve after the dot-com implosion because that was an unpleasant experience where we cut a lot um so that was our that was a big start for us um then came the great financial crisis and we found that we we spent that reserve in a heartbeat. It wasn't sufficient to the need, so we went back and we um, we created different reserve policies. We added to them. We started doing two-year budgeting, so you can't do kind of you know tricks that say I'm going to give everybody a raise on the last day of the fiscal year and pretend that it's free. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we started doing uh, long-term financial planning. And to to understand not just that something has a cost in one year, but if you if you have a new shiny program, it's gonna it's gonna cost you that much and more for every year thereafter. Um, so I think that all of those tools have helped us a lot. Um, That said, I think to the caller's point, it's um, what we're facing this time isn't sort of a cyclical downturn, and that's really what we had been preparing for. Mm. Um, This is a restructuring um, in the way that we use space and in the economy. It's not just local, it's nationwide, of course, and it's going to have a big impact. So it's it's a little bit different than, um, it's not what we had, it's not the downturn we'd been planning for.
1: How would the reserve be used against that deficit?
3: Um, we have stabilization reserves that we can draw on when our, um, revenues are declining, which they're actually not projected to. They're just growing very, very slowly, but they, they are available. um, they are available to us under certain rules. We can use them. Um, and we also have some reserves that are more flexible, um, that will help us, um, address specific problems, um, changes in sort of, you know, Federal funding, um, uh, this fiscal cliff that we're kind of facing that we knew we would face, um, we had some money set aside to kind of smooth out uh, that draw on mm-hmm. on federal stimulus revenue. So we have we have some tools, some reserve tools at our disposal.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the well, we'll talk about if there's a chance of generating more revenue later. But for now, it looks like it's probably more going to come on the. Cost side of this budget to to balance it, um, Jim Wonderman, um, President and CEO of Bay Area Council. I mean, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the show is that you do represent business area business interests in the area, and it is kind of business interests finding that their interests are in fact different now than they were before, and perhaps not needing as much commercial space, perhaps not needing workers to come into the center city. How has your group kind of responded to that? Do you have a position on it? Like you want people to come into downtown San Francisco or, or what's your, what are your thoughts?
6: Um, you certainly know how to ask a complex, a complex question. And I, I think, what I'm not uh,
1: sure that's a compliment, Jim.
6: <laughs> no, no, it's a compliment. Uh, you know, it's, it's the question of our time and it's serious. I think the caller, you know, really put his finger on a major problem. And Michelle said, it's you know, this isn't a downturn like other downturns we've seen. This is different because it involves a major structural change by every measure I have seen. And I've seen a lot. San Francisco is by far the least recovered city in America by far in almost in almost every category we're way behind uh, other places the worst area for us is in tourism and travel where the the rest of the nation is fully or over recovered and we're around 68% and tourism is a big part of our business our hotels our retail and all of that as far as the downtown goes we have a really high percentage of what we call remote eligible jobs over 50 percent we're unique in that regard so we have a bigger problem people who are still working the jobs are still technical, technically here if you look at the overall loss of jobs it isn't that great but the actual people doing them uh, aren't here they're certainly not in the downtown area some of them moved on to other parts of the region state and and country and you know this has a profound effect and i think you know i think the mayor is doing her darndest i think her Priorities are you know, in, in the right place. We've got to get the city to become attractive again to bring in new kinds of business, more of the same kinds of business, reorient the downtown to be more of, of a destination for other kinds of activities. These are all things that are on the table. But with the tax rates being this high and some of the problems, the perceptions around crime, homelessness, uh, you know, I think it's keeping people and business away and we need to understand the level of this problem. And, you know, I believe we're going to be doing much better in a few years because I believe in San Francisco. And we've seen scary downturns before the dot-com bust mortgage meltdown we lost a lot of jobs and it was when i was working for mayor jordan back in the 90s i couldn't imagine a business coming in or building anything but that turned around and i think it can turn around again but you have to be uh you have to incentivize it we've got to find ways to get occupancy in the buildings Mm -hmm. If, if we should encourage remote workers to think about coming back to the office more Uh, But we should also be bringing in new kinds of business and incentivizing the heck out of it and and really making that a a high priority for the whole city. And we need to put, you know, we need to put aside this progressive versus moderate uh, dialogue that we have. This is San Francisco is everybody's concern and things aren't what they need to be in this city and we need to we need to really come together and turn things around and and move forward in a different way.
1: We're talking about San Francisco's 14 billion dollar budget, where the money comes from, how the money is being spent, how the city intends to handle this projected budget deficit from change like structural changes in the way the Bay Area economies Works. We're joined by Jim Wonderman, President and CEO of the Bay Area Council, JD Morris, City Hall reporter with the Chronicle, and Michelle Allersma, Director of the Budget and Analysis Division, which is part of the San Francisco Controller's Office. They're the people who deal with the innards of the budget. We'd love to hear from you. How do you think this money should be spent? Got some people writing in. Dave writes, All that money, fix the Word we can't say on the radio roads. Another <laughs> listener tweets hiring more police to arrest drug dealers and deter car break ins and shoplifting. Incentives to tear down obsolete office towers and build new residential homes in transit rich downtown. I know there's other people out there with different ideas about what we should spend that money on. We'd love to hear from you. The number's 866 733. 6786 or maybe you just have a question about the budget it's a big budget there's a lot going on there's a lot to know the number is 866-733-6786 twitter facebook instagram We're kqed forum and the email is forum at kqed.org let's get to another caller reza in san francisco welcome
5: hi great program and i enjoy listening to all the participants um I am a retired tech worker, and I've been in customer service uh, for basically most of my career. Recently, I went—I was dealing with the city to build an ADU, and during this was a very frustrating process. Just dealing with the city and paying all the fees that they are that I had to pay, but not getting the right service. I guess my question here is that we, I look at the city as a large service organization for the people. And my question is that is there a, a way to monitor the service that are being given to the resident or to the applicant based on the fees that they are paying? <laughs> because as a customer service leader, getting the customer feedback directly for each incident and for each event. Was critical in running a very good service organization.
1: Right. That's a good. It's a good question. I mean, what I like about that resident, it's like, it's not like you object to paying the fees or the tax in the city, but you just want to get the services. JD, are there ways that the city monitors that you're aware of, uh, like how it's providing this kind of service?
2: Not in in like an overall way that I'm aware of. Although it could certainly be wrong. I I I, I hope that there would be a way to do that in sort of a a, a systemic way. I yeah. think that's a great idea. Um, the caller did mention, you know, ADU and how that was frustrating, trying to build, you know, a, a second unit. And one thing I will note there is that, you know, San Francisco does have a notoriously long and expensive and arduous housing approval process. And that right there is the reason why the state of California um, is taking a close look at San Francisco's approval process under the Newsom administration. They're, um, you know, analyzing why it is that San Francisco has like the longest housing mm. approval process in the whole state.
1: And so I think we'll we'll see some action on that eventually. We're talking about San Francisco's $14 billion budget. Some listeners want us to do these shows for other cities. Tony writes in, you should do a similar episode for Oakland. Spending, because it's a complete mystery to me. Our parcel taxes keep going up and still basic civil needs are not being met. Crime, crumbling streets, trash everywhere. Where does the money go? These are the questions we want to ask, Tony. Uh, Robert would like one of these. Also on San Jose. We've got a budget cycle underway there as well. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. Stay tuned for more on the San Francisco budget. Support for Forum comes from
0: San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward.
1: Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about San Francisco's $14 billion budget, following that money, where it comes from, where it goes, and how the city intends to handle its projected $728 million Deficit. We're joined by Jim Wonderman, President and CEO of the Bay Area Council, JD Morris, City Hall reporter with The Chronicle, and Michelle Allersma, who's the Director of the Budget and Analysis Division. That's part of the San Francisco Controller's Office. We're, of course, going to take more of your calls uh, in this last segment on you know, whether this budget really reflects your values. You know that, that is what the this, this city is supposed to do. The number is 866 733. 6786. And we're taking more of your questions too. Uh, if you can't get through on the phone lines, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or KQED Forum. And the email is forum at kqed.org. Michelle, we have a couple of questions that I think I'm going to bring to you. One listener wants to know who has the highest salary. And if there's many, let's hear the top 10 or the top five. And we also have Noel on the phone who has a, a related question. Noel, Welcome to the show.
5: Hi. Uh, yeah, I've lived in San Francisco for 10 years. One thing that I really like about it is that um, you are able to actually see the salaries online of all kinds of employees on websites like Transparent California, but I was wondering how the salaries of city employees are determined since I know that in business that's often um, you know one of the largest aspects of a budget and so is compensation just compared to what private companies are paying for similar roles or is it at all pegged to the median income of San Francisco residents
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no those are those are great questions uh, Michelle um, can we bring this one to you I mean I know at least part of the answer to this is that we have collective bargaining within the city um, that's that's one answer uh, what's the rest of it
3: Sure, yeah. We do have um, binding interest arbitration, which means, um, yeah, our, our wages are set in labor agreements with labor unions, and pretty much everybody in the city is represented. Um, some of the salaries are the city is an employer in competition with other employers that do the same things that we do. So, particularly in the healthcare field, um, everybody employs nurses. So we're looking at what Kaiser and what Sutter have to pay um, to determine that sort of what we need to, to pay to be competitive and be able to hire into those same positions that we have. Um, similar in public safety, you're looking at sort of, oh, Oakland's doing a $20,000 hiring bonus or whatever it is. You're, you're looking at what others are paying. Um, so there's, there's some of that. And then some of it is just um, is what's bargained in the labor contracts. Yeah. Um, there's salary surveys for some positions.
1: Yeah. You know, Michelle, I mean, so I was looking at, I was just curious drilling down on just Muni, for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see Muni, the, the salary line on Muni's cost kind of, you know, it, it's moving up, but somewhat slowly. Then it hits like 2014 and just kind of like skyrockets. And I think one of the things that's really difficult for people in the city or or around is we see something like that happening, but it doesn't seem like the muni service that that's delivering is better than it was in 2013. So how how are people to sort of like make sense of that?
3: I think um,
1: like what do we not see, I think, is kind of what, what the real question is here.
3: Got it. I think part of what you don't see is um, the inflationary costs um, on. Uh, retirement and healthcare. care. Um, so we have, um, you know, growth in health healthcare costs, which I know that everybody experiences in their own life. Um, the city is, is an employer and we're paying for those, too. Um, and, and those far outpaced inflation um, by a factor of two to three to four. Um, and then also retirement costs, which were low for a really long time. Um, spiked pretty significantly in the past decade, so Mm -hmm. like way out of line with inflation, and also retiree healthcare, um, unfunded liabilities, which we are also paying for. So a lot of things where you're paying more money, but you're not getting anything more for it. that's that's part of what you don't see.
1: And the, the infrastructure falling apart, too, um, and needing more fixes over time, things that we built, you know, 50 years ago. I also, one of the things that I really want to do coming out of this show is to make a chart showing the increase in healthcare costs across the whole city. Maybe, maybe the controller's office has already done it. But, I mean, that really, you can really see that line start to go up in a bunch of these individual budgets. Mm-hmm. Um, let's uh, go back to the phones we've got Matt in Benicia welcome Matt.
8: Hello thanks for taking my call um, well more of a comment than than anything you know I listen to the station and, and your shows all the time I, I really appreciate the work that you guys do um, and the great conversations um, but it's it's just frustrating when I hear these conversations and I and in my personal life and discussions with Mm-hmm. Uh, friends and colleagues and coworkers, uh, you you just get this feeling that you know a lot of the problem is uh, blamed on on the poor people, mm-hmm. you know people that really, uh, you know, with the homeless people they they can't move themselves. They don't have the capacity, obviously, to to care for themselves and uh, and, and even relocate themselves to a different spot. So, um, you know, being from the richest areas in in our country and thus the world um, and one of the richest communities, you know, it it just, it doesn't make sense to blame all of our problems on poor people. Mm -hmm. So it's really all I wanted to say. And I hope that we can kind of move away from uh, poverty being seen as some sort of moral failing um, and something that someone deserves and, and put the resources in advance uh, to try to, try to stem the, uh, the, the, the true roots of, of the causes of, 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 of of poverty.
1: Yeah. Hey Matt channeling Tuesday show, I feel like, which was on, you know, Martin Luther King jr's vision of, of economic justice, uh, for, for poor people. And I, you know, I appreciate you making sure to bring the moral dimension to this, to this budget discussion. I mean, it is it is complicated, um, JD. Because I feel like the politics, as as Matt's really indicating, I do feel like the politics around helping the least well off in San Francisco have been shifting around a lot, and maybe there's less support for that than there has been, you know, in in previous years.
2: uh yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's if there's less support for you know, helping homeless folks than there has been previously, but there are certainly sharp divisions over what are the best ways to address San Francisco's, you know, core issues around homelessness. And and, I mean, you see this particularly when it comes to addressing the drug crisis, which, you know, is, is intertwined with the homeless crisis because so many people who, you know, are addicted to fentanyl are unhoused people on city streets and, you know, there are very, very sharp ideological divides over, you know, what San Francisco Mm -hmm. should be prioritizing right now? Should we be focusing on an expansion of the shelter system? Should we be building, you know, a lot more market rate housing? Should we focus exclusively on 100% affordable housing, Um, you know, permanent supportive housing to get people off the streets? Should that be, you know, sort of where where we're really... um, Focusing all of our efforts and it, it it does kind of feel like the different factions have kind of dug in on these issues um, mm-hmm.
1: recently that's a That's a better description than less support. I, I think you're right. There's a there's complexity around the way that people want to try and handle the issue. Um, I uh michelle i want to bring you a question from another listener i think this is mostly an explanatory answer that we're looking for here a listener tweets can we talk for a minute about the massive funding crisis faced by uh, by the san francisco school district teachers aren't being paid classrooms are overcrowded middle schools are an absolute nightmare what is the relationship between the school's budget and the kind of budget that we're talking about here
3: um, so the schools are uh, like a separate entity from the city and county of San Francisco, but they are, we do have many kind of connections and, and interests in common. Um, one of the connections is that um, voters have uh, asked the city or directed the city to spend money on um, on education. So this is money that goes to the school district. Um, that's a couple hundred million dollars a year. Um the public education enrichment fund um and some related items. So there there is that kind of direct financial relationship. Um
1: yeah. And there's uh, just for for context, I think the SFUSD budget and maybe JD correct me or, or Michelle correct me, it's about like a billion dollars roughly. Uh I don't know off the top of my head actually. Hmm. I guess we'll have to uh could be more, could be <laughs> uh, well. We, uh, it's a big budget. Let's put it that way, and it's not included in what we're what we're talking about here. Aside from those transfers that uh, Michelle was was mentioning, um, uh, we have another question for you, Michelle. Uh, Vanessa writes in to ask. Is this an actual budget deficit or a projected deficit? When I was working for the city, the controller had a habit of projecting a deficit only to magically find a surplus at the end of the fiscal year. This happened 12 out of 13 years. In the meantime, the departments have to make cuts impacting the services the city can offer. I'm assuming that you disagree with this characterization of what the control how the controller makes these projections.
3: Yeah, Um it- first it's um it's a it's a projection from three offices so the mayor the board and us so um but the projections um it's true it's a projected budget deficit and we're we're telling the policymakers this is a shortfall that you have to close because you have to have revenue equal expenditures in your budget it has to balance um and so what we're telling people with this document is that you need to take if if you take no action that the 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 projection is, if you were to do nothing, um, you'd have this shortfall, so you have to do something to close the shortfall. Um, So you have to um, constrain growth, you have to um, stop doing certain things, or maybe not begin a new thing that you wanted to do, or uh, make other trade-offs and try to do things more efficiently. Um, And so it's, by law, we have to close the gap, and that's what happens every year um to the question of whether we systematically underproject revenues i think that was like kind of embedded in the question mm-hmm. um we've been surprised by the the rapid pace of growth over the past decade kind of like anybody else i think you alluded to that actually in your your statement about you know, the city's budget growing so much it did it it grew faster than than i think we would have anticipated and and part of what we do is when the economy is growing, we underproject. When the economy is weaker, we overproject. So we just have a tendency to be less volatile than the world actually is um, yeah. in our projections.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Jim Wonderman, President CEO of uh, Bay Area Council. You know, when you look at the way that the the budget is constructed, like just from your from your position, do you think that? The way the budget is put together helps or hurts, like having these earmarks, like, like kind of stepping back from the weeds and looking at, OK, voters have earmarked these various things. There's the the all the pots are kind of restricted of all this money. And it kind of ties the mayor and the board of supervisors hands. You think that's a good thing or a bad thing? You know, so <clears throat> I really
6: appreciate this program and the questions, the big questions, macro, <clears throat> excuse me, questions that you're asking uh, you know, I think the the key issue that stands out here is really the you know budgets make you talk about things that are quantitative and overall. I don't think the city's approach to the budget and the way it handles it is is done poorly uh, or is the is main culprit here. I think the the qualitative question is really is really the point and the, the you know we need to really dig deeply into why why we have such a rich set of costs and services and yet we're not meeting the public's needs i think if you really analyze this you know you find a couple of things is that the city you know the city spends a lot most of the money from the city, as earlier noted, goes into payroll. And if you analyze that, and I think Michelle said, we're paying more for retirement for, for a whole bunch of years. We didn't pay much because the stock market kept going up. So the amount in the retirement funds did. And so the city didn't have to contribute to retirement mm-hmm. in more normal times. We, we have a very rich set of programs for ret- retirement and for uh, health benefits post-retirement, unusually rich and I think we need to kind of take a look at the questions, can we, you know, is the public getting the, the kind of benefit for its money that it deserves? The other, only other thing I would say is, from my experience working in two administrations and being close to the city uh, all of these years, one way or another, I I, I think culturally there's an issue where the city looks very inwardly I and mean, you have conversations with people within the government doesn't matter the department uh everybody's trying to figure out how to sort of enrich their you know their, their situation for their themselves their department and so forth and i you know, somebody, one of the callers mentioned customers and I don't think there's a customer focus overall in San Francisco. You know, this is something that Mayor Breed, you know, inherited this culture. It's been going on a long time. Things, and I, I, I believe it's time for the public to take a really hard look at all of this and ask itself the question, with all that we're doing and all that we have, Why is it that we're, you know, we we seem to be uh, facing these kinds of problems? Why is it that so many businesses have left San Francisco and taken jobs and the philanthropy and the investments with them over the years? It's a laundry list of companies that have chosen to go elsewhere. Uh, Why is our population dropping uh, and what are the economic impacts? So I think we're facing a moment where it's time to ask some of the bigger questions because we have a big deficit. We've got an empty downtown. Uh, everybody, you know, this is going to impact everybody. And I think the budget is really important. You've got to run the city. They've got a five-year plan. I think they're doing, you know, within the realm of how they estimate, as Michelle, I think, had great answers, how revenues are estimated and so forth. The city's done a pretty good job. Wow. On that, but you've got to sort of look underneath the rock. So you need yeah. to do 100 more of these programs. And-
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see how uh, our bosses respond to uh, 100 more programs on the San Francisco budget. But um, I will say we have a couple of other um, last minute answers for people um, that another division of the controller's office, not Michelle's. Um, does produce something that earlier caller Reza was looking for called the San Francisco scorecards, where departments do self-report on how they perform compared to targets that they've set re-service delivery. So if you look up San Francisco scorecards, I think you'll find that on sf.gov out there, Reza. I'm glad we could uh, bring that one to a conclusion. Um Last uh, question for you, Michelle, which is where can people go? Uh, One of our listeners, Linda, wants to know how much of the new budget will go to maintenance of the city parks, streets, environment, removal of graffiti, et cetera. If people want to try and figure out where the money is going, where do you recommend, what's the best place for people to check that out?
3: Um,
1: Aside from the Chronicle's excellent reporting on this, which is also very good.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. Um, You can go to, um, I think... For an overview of like what departments do the mayor's proposed budget is kind of has more narrative about this is the mission of each department in the city and so for um just kind of an explainer of who does what um like what services i i that's a good starting point so that's um if you just google that um mayor's proposed budget and you'll see it mm -hmm, yeah yeah
1: Yeah. um Thank you so much. I'm so sorry we couldn't get to all of your calls and your questions. There were a ton of them this morning. We talked about San Francisco's $14 billion budget, where the money comes from, where it goes, and we heard how you'd like to see the money spent. We've been joined by Michelle Allersma, Director of the Budget and Analysis Division, which is part of the San Francisco Controller's Office. Thank you so much, Michelle.
3: Thanks for having me.
1: Also been joined by J.D. Morris, City Hall Reporter at the San Francisco Chronicle. Thank you, J.D. Great to be here. Thank you. And Jim Wonderman, president and CEO of the Bay Area Council. Thank you for joining us, Jim. Always a pleasure. Thanks. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This has been a whole show on the San Francisco budget. Look for more, maybe on the other cities, Oakland and San Jose. In the meantime, stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim.